Welcome to the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. If you find money to be the number one, two, or even third largest source of stress in your relationship, then you're in the right place. Going beyond how to budget, invest, and do your taxes, we're going to explore financial intimacy. Discover how to talk with your partner about your shared financial life. Let's take the awkward and painful out of money conversations. Join me and hit follow to listen to weekly inspiring, healing, and motivating interviews with financial therapists, couples therapists, and financial planners, and so many more. Let's go on the journey of financial intimacy together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. Today, it is my honor and privilege to introduce Terry Lenowski, the founder of Soulful Listening. Terry is an amazing woman. I've been in a TED speaking program with her for the last, I don't know, almost a year now, Terry, I think. And her passion for helping people learn how to listen and to do that artfully is so profound and so provocative. So I hope that you're ready to really up your listening game because it's so much more than having two ears and one mouth. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ed. It's an honor to be here. I'm so excited for our conversation and I'm, you know, just thrilled to connect with your audience. That's awesome. Well, Terry, one thing that I know in working with countless number of couples around money is they definitely do not feel heard. So can you give us a little primer on what is soulful listening? This I kind of teed it up and we're going to unpack this over the time that we're together, but tell us what is soulful listening? What is that? Right. And you just mentioned something about being heard. And and I just want to preface everything that I say today with kind of anchoring with the awareness that there is power in being heard. And through being heard, you can unleash potential that may have heretofore been constricted or locked up. So just want to start with that. And if you're not seeing the video of this, Terry is a beautiful woman with great expression and her hands were coming together and locking up right around the center of the chest, which is, I think, how it feels when you feel unheard, right? You, you kind of get tight in the chest. Exactly. And then what we, you know, as, as humans, we are designed to thrive when we feel seen and heard and supported by others, period. And when we're not, we, of course, are not going to live up to our own potential. And within the context of a relationship, it cannot flourish to its greater potential. And so I think maybe it would be helpful for me to just kind of brush over the five elements of soulful listening yeah. and maybe uh, maybe bring my inspiration into our conversation right on the front end. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> and so we know how powerful it is to be heard and we know how painful it is when we're not. I mean, it just, there's an ache to it. And I, I felt that in my own life early on. I grew up in a small country town of Auburn, Nebraska. And from three years old on, I lived on the second floor of a stately mansion. And second floor, because my family had converted the first floor into a bustling restaurant with banging and clanging and late night bar crowds beneath my bedroom every night. Wild family dysfunction and a laser focus on the business, not the family. And what I wanted without even being able to name it was to feel seen and heard. And if someone would have asked me, Terry, who listens to you? It would not have been my parents. They just simply weren't available 
Fortunately, there was one person that did, and that was my grandma Helga. And in her presence, it was as though we were in a safe, warm, delicious bubble. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And our, our relationship was critically important throughout my whole life, especially in high school. You know, when you're a senior, you go into the guidance counselor and they kind of proclaim what your future is going to be. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. What a miserable experience. <laughs> Sorry, guidance counselors. I know you mean well, but Wow. <laughs> Uh-huh. And so uh, keep in mind, this is many years ago. It's, it's gotten better over the years. But, but my guidance counselor, well-intended, but he had a vision of me that was very different than what my potential was. And to mm. me, he said, Terry, you're a small town girl. You get lost in a big city. Your best bet is to go to secretarial school and work for your family restaurant. Mm. And after tortured, sleepless nights, little 18-year-old just flipping in the bed, wondering, what, what? That doesn't feel right. I took that lie to Grandma Helga to kind of, you know, kind of sort through that and see what her take was on it. And she was, you know, particularly wise, resilient, twice widowed, successful in business, and her words carried weight. Hmm. And so after she heard this, she just presenced herself and proclaimed, Terry, look at all I've done without education. Think of what you can do with it. And in that moment, the trajectory of my life shifted forever. And my potential was unleashed. And with Grandma Helga's emotional support and the amount of student loans, I ended up with a master's degree and eventually ended up chairing the American Counseling Association Foundation, which represented over 50,000 professional counselors nationwide. And then kind of one of the pinnacles of my professional career is I coached human-centered design teams from across the nation to showcase workforce innovations at the White House, not once, but twice. Wow. And so from that... I don't mean to interrupt and rush, but (laughs) I am not clued in enough to know how significant that is, but I know it's really significant. So for those of us that don't know what you just said... Tell us about how big of a deal this is because, and, and this is humble bragging. So I know probably like a lot of us, you don't want to use that fine balance of whatever. Let us in. What is that? What is this council for the president? What, what is that? Okay. So two, I said two things. One was to be the chair of the American Counseling Association Foundation. Right. So the American Counseling Association is the professional organization for all types of professional counselors nationwide. They have a membership of about 50,000. So I was the chair of the foundation. That's huge. That, I mean, that's a <laughs> massive organization, Chair. That is, it is incredible. It is. Uh-huh. And then the second thing that I had mentioned was coaching human-centered design teams. And so they really focus on empathy as a mo- modality of making systematic change and mm. serving their customers in a way that connects with them. And oftentimes it's called design thinking or human-centered design. So there was a competition across the nation. And I, I was a coach for many of these teams. And many of my teams ended up being invited, along with me, to the White House twice to showcase the impact of this innovation. And, and really, when I was involved with all of that, it kind of triggered an awareness of the power of empathy. Mm-hmm. Some of the programs were really stale, and then they flipped on their ears just with empathy. 
And so I, I looked around at that and I thought, you know, there's still missing pieces in how we communicate. Empathy is incredibly important, but there's still some missing pieces. And then I was reviewing some research and I you know, ran across stats that half of the American population is lonely and health implications are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Ooh, well, we'll slow on that one. Being lonely is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yes, and and that loneliness now exceeds health impact beyond obesity. So it trumps the health, uh, the negative health impacts. You know, greater than obesity now. So loneliness is more problematic than obesity in our community yes. and society. Yes, and so you know, when, you know, when I'm leaning into what we're talking about today, couples, and you know, having high stakes conversations, you know, if we, if we don't feel heard, if we don't find a way to connect, that loneliness is brought right into our relationships. And, and, you know, I, I do not take that lightly uh, right. because of the impact of what that despair, you know, that loneliness, what it has. And, and again, I had, you know, when I looked at the landscape of all of this, it was like, there there are still missing pieces in how we communicate. Mm. And I, you know, I listened. <laughs> I just listened uh. all around. And it was like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting some insights. And then I reflected upon what helped me thrive despite the odds and what Grandma Helga had modeled. Mm. And I thought, how can I turn a blind eye? I have, you know, this gift that was given to me and evolved throughout my lifetime I now want to share it with others. Wow. So anybody that's listening, Terry is highly credentialed in what she's talking about with lots of experience and is an expert in empathy, which I think is probably a deficit in our society for the most part. Would you agree? Like, I think we're culturally more and more aware of how important empathy is, but the skill of using empathy mm -hmm. is still something that's needing to be developed. Right, right. And, you know, and also I think that, you know, in many cases, people really want to connect on a deeper level. I mean, it is within our very soul, our very being that we want to do that. And, you know, I get a little concerned when, uh, when I do not see it modeled, you know, because I think people sometimes are just going, you know, I want to do, I don't even know where to begin. How do, how do I even do this? Or I see families out, let's say a family of four, they're out for dinner. All four of them are looking at their cell phone. Right. And so then the reason that that just kind of like breaks my heart, a number of reasons, the moment, that moment, the present moment of connecting with your family members is lost. Right. But beyond that, I look at the young, the youth, and I think, how might they even be able to have a conversation, let alone have a high stakes conversation like you're talking about with your right. with, with your couples, yeah, your audience, yes, yes. And so, so then maybe maybe going over um, the five elements of soulful listening might be helpful. Yeah, let's let's dive in. These are five easily repeatable elements that offer a solution to a gigantic problem. And I think it, in its simplicity, the power of it may be overlooked. 
<laughs> well, and I, yeah. before we get in there, do you think, I mean, there's, I don't want to say, I, this is an idea that's been chewing around in my head for a while. So Terry, I'm just curious what your two cents are. It's like, we can understand a problem simply on the front end. And then we often go on a journey where it looks really way more complicated. But at some point, then we get on the other side and it becomes simple again. And that's like a, a beautiful simplicity. And I, I think that that's what you're about mm-hmm. to share with us is this is not just something that attached in your mind last night or last week. This is something that you've been on a journey of distilling and sorting through and working with for quite some time. And so, yeah, don't don't misread that what Terry is about to offer in these five points is deeply distilled and and aggregated and hopefully very useful so that you don't have to go on the same crazy journey that Terry has been on to learn and get all this stuff. I mean, if you want to go on that, I'm sure Terry could tell you the path, but let's just learn from her experience and save ourselves the trouble perhaps. All right. Sorry. Thanks for my ramble. Thank you. That is so generous. That is so generous, but, but you raise such an important point. uh, And, the simplicity and being able to take action is just like critical. You know, I could go into the psychological principles behind all of this and your listeners <laughs> would fall asleep. So let's just I, break oh, it down. I, I'd be wide eyed. I, I mean, I, I'm like, <laughs> wait, did you see the psychological principles? Ooh, I'm listening now, Terry. But yes. Okay. For those that are not psych nerds, let's let, we'll get to the five points. Okay. So the first element of soulful listening is self care. And we rarely hear self-care connected directly with high-quality conversations. Mm. But it is. It's fundamental. It's foundational. And self-care is more than a bubble bath, although at times it may include that. It it may include that. Uh But what I would also point out and just kind of think through times when you've had good nourishment You've had, you know, really quality rest for a few days. Aren't you more emotionally available for others? Absolutely. Right. And also, you know, kind of check in. How are you talking to yourself? What is that loop that's going around in your own head? You know, check it. Yeah. Because that impacts how you can connect with another person. You know, this is something that I, I take a little bit, bit more for granted now at this point in my journey with psychology. Uh, you know, I think I, I always knew there was a voice in my head, but I didn't know that that was normal, dare I say, right? And that, like, learning to listen to the voice in our in our mind is actually one of the most productive things we can do. Because what I know as a therapist is now that story that's audibly or kind of silently but playing in your head often is pretty critical. You know, it is. And sometimes it's just so subtle that we don't even recognize it. So it may take a little bit of practice to just kind of check yourself. Ooh, ooh, I'm telling myself that story again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And and when you've had enough rest and, and maybe you've exercised for a few days and you've got some good nutrition going on, we really can access more of ourselves. Yeah. If that makes sense, we have, you know, we have a broader range of emotions that we can connect to. We also can think a a little more clearly. Mm -hmm. And so it is really important. The self-care is really important. And, And it helps us to kind of fill our cup, so to speak, so that we have a reservoir of generosity that we can tap into and offer 
to a conversation and to another person. And it's a gift you give not only to yourself, but to everyone you come in contact with. I love it. As you're even saying to fill up this, the, the cup, your hands are coming up from your belly to your chest. So listeners, if you're able to do this, just even if, feel that, feel yourself filling up. And part of this self, you know, Terry, I don't think I've ever connected that part of self-care is learning to listen to the inner voice, right? Because mm-hmm. what our inner voice is telling us determines how we feel about ourselves, which then determines how we show up in our relationships and our openness to others. So, yeah. so listening to our inner voice is part of the self-care process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And this sets itself for the second element of soulful listening, and, and that's becoming fully present. Mm-hmm. I imagine we've all been in situations where we can almost see a bubble above a person's head with the laundry list of things they're thinking about. <laughs> Not us. We feel it. Right. We feel it. Yeah. And and sometimes when I say, you know, becoming fully present, it may feel a bit abstract. Mm-hmm. So in live events, I love to walk uh, attendees through an experience where they can feel what it feels like to become fully present. And do we have time today to kind of walk through that? I love it. I'm I'm ready to be fully present. Let's. You got me. Okay. Okay. So what I love to do, I love to take three intentional breaths. And the way that we'll do that, we'll breathe in through our nose, we'll hold, and we'll breathe out through our mouth. We'll breathe into the count of four and out to the count of six. And as we're doing this, I want you to notice the warmth in your heart area. And before we do that, I want you to just check in with your body, kind of move around a little bit, see how you feel, like get in your body now. Well, okay. And Terry, I'm far enough on this journey, I can just own it. I have that inner critic that's a part of my narrator, too. And I'm like, ah, these breathing exercises, they're so stupid. So if anybody is having that voice go off, <laughs> no, you're not alone. But yes, we're going to do a breathing exercise because they are not stupid. They are valuable and they're part of our self-care. So uh, to all the inner critics out there, we love you. We care about you. But go ahead and step to the side because we're going to take care of ourselves now. Okay. All right. So begin, breathe in through your nose. One, two, three, four, hold. Out through your mouth. Five, six, again, in through your nose. Out through your mouth. And a final time. In through your nose, hold, out through your mouth, and mm. check in with your body now. Oh, man. Well, you can probably see my eyes are so closed and I'm smiling. And for, for me and my Wiggle own... Wiggle your toes. Oh. Wiggle your toes. <laughs> yes. This is so, okay. so rich. And... I want to share this because I think it's important that I know many of the listeners have high stress jobs where they take a lot of personal responsibility for what's going on there. And then that carries right on home. And what I noticed, Terry, is you were taking me through this exercise of becoming more fully present. I literally felt myself kind of breathing out the stress of some really difficult things I was working on yesterday, even that I, I know I haven't been able to discharge And so this is a practice, right, that we can come back to over and over again that will bring us fully present, becomes part of the self-care. This is so powerful already. 
And and so simple, Ed. I mean, we can we we're breathing anyway. <laughs> you, know? you could say that. Hopefully, we're breathing anyway. Yeah. And so, right. to take a, you know an intentional breath, you, no big announcement needs to be made. It can be made <laughs> in the moment. You know, just slow it down. Just slow your breath down. Right. Take a beat. You know, do that. And when we truly have taken care of ourselves and become fully present. We bring a quality of grace and compassion into our interactions. Mm, mm. And this sets us up for the third element of soulful listening. And that's a, a combination between empathy and active listening. Okay. So if these two had a child. <laughs> I love it, that. Yes. It would, it would be this element. Okay. I love it. And it's all in where you listen with every fiber of your being through all of the senses you have available through your intuition. Mm. And this type of listening is referred to as quantum listening. Ooh, word of the day for Ed, quantum listening. I like quantum it. Quantum listening. So this is the love child and of we, empathy it, and active listening? <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. okay. In my opinion, anyway. <laughs> That's all that matters. It's just you and I right now, and whoever ends up listening to this podcast. There we go. There yeah, we go. Yeah. Okay. And when we connect on this deeper level, especially when we enter into a conversation with a, a degree of curiosity and mm-hmm. openness, mm-hmm. as opposed to playing out both sides of a story mm-hmm. before you even get in there, you know, like, oh, he's going to say this, <laughs> I'm going to say that, it's going to end like this. Which, Wait, yeah, you mean people do that? Ever turns out well. Ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And so when we enter into a conversation like that, when we have a higher degree of emotional intelligence present, mm-hmm. we often gain insights into how we might be helpful to another, which leads us to the fourth element of soulful listening, which is the secret sauce inspired action. We can gain insights into how we might be helpful to another. You know, maybe making a phone call, maybe offering information, Mm. maybe making a connection, no strings attached. Mm. Just imagine somebody has your back and you know it. I'm thinking about that. That's really powerful, slowing down on that inspired action. Because I I see so often in the couples I'm working with and around their money is what I might call it in just light of what you said, is reactive action. They haven't really heard what their partner is saying, but they, they've already come to that foregone conclusion that this is what you need to do, or this is how you should do it. And it lands flat, if not completely aggravating for their partners. So if we're going through this really powerful process of self-care and becoming fully present and quantum listening, then then what we're doing for ourselves or for our partner likely lands a lot better, doesn't it? Uh, of course. And when we, you know, apply it to what you've just described, you know, maybe with when you've taken the charge of the script plane of previous conversations, you just leave it in the other room uh-huh. and you come into a conversation where you really are, okay, I'm just going to hold the space for the possibility of whatever this conversation is going to be. You've taken care of yourself. So you have the space. You're not just like 
on your last nerve. Hmm. You know, you're just holding your space. And, and perhaps you have chosen wisely your timing um, hmm. when this conversation is going to happen. Then maybe together, the two of you can come to a place of unfolding, of maybe a solution, maybe an understanding, maybe a willingness to explore financial alternatives, as opposed to, well, it's always going to go like this, and why do you even have a conversation? Because I already know how it's going to land. And then when, when that happens, it's just like, don't even have the conversation. Just don't, I mean, wait until mm. you can set the stage. You know, that's what Grandma Helga did so beautifully. And I have, you know, modeled that in my own life too. I mean, you, you really are conscious about the container mm. in which mm. you are going to have a conversation like this. Right. Wow. And then the fifth element of soulful listening is the feedback loop. And the feedback loop means circling back with a person and letting them know that you have taken this inspired action hmm. as opposed to them feeling like they've been dropped off into the abyss. Yeah. And, you know, and, and think about conversations where you, you know, somebody's leaning forward, they're nodding their head, you feel heard, the conversation ends, you never hear anything. I mean, it just falls short. But as these five elements are repeated what it does is embeds integrity and confidence within a relationship. You know, as I think about this and I think about the work that I do with my clients, the word that comes to mind is repetition. That this is not a one-time deal that you hear this today and like, whoop, got that mastered. I'm going to hit this out of the park. Like this is a learning journey and a growing journey, isn't it? To be able to, mm -hmm. to know these elements, to use them, to use them skillfully what kind of encouragement would you offer people as they're maybe diving into this more fully? Right. You know, it's, it, it really ends up being a way of being mm. in your life. Mm -hmm. And so what I would suggest is to start small, but start, you know, pick one conversation over the course of this next week, not have it be like a high stakes conversation the first time, you know, like when you exercise, you don't go out and run a marathon the first time that you put on a pair of tennis <laughs> shoes. You know, we've, we've got to take a step or two first. Right. And right. so, so pick a conversation when you get ready to enter into that conversation. I mean, try and take good care of yourself for a couple of days sure. and then, you know, notice what that feels like in your own body. Take a couple of breaths. Again, you don't need to make any announcement. Just take a couple of breaths. And then be fully, fully present in the conversation. Take mm. a breath and listen. Yeah. And then check in with yourself afterwards. Oh, yeah, that turned out way differently than I thought it might have. Hmm. Maybe I'll try it again. I imagine that reflection piece is really important to check in and see how did it go? Did it go in the way that it, I expected or did it not? Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Love and Money podcast. I'm honored that you spend time with me listening to these incredible interviews. I love working with individuals and couples around their financial life, integrating mental health and relational well-being. I'd love to personally invite you into my financial planning practice where I do therapy informed financial planning. 
bringing together mental health, relationship health, and financial well-being. If you're thinking that's the type of help you'd like, please see the show notes below to schedule your free 30-minute discovery call. And I'll look forward to seeing you and hearing more about your unique story and how I can best support you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back from the break. And I want to share something very meaningful. Terry has so much grace. I noticed listening to my own body, I needed a break. Awkward moment, to say the least. But we're adults here, and Terry is practicing what she preaches. She listened to me, no judgment. She just said, go ahead, Ed, take your break. I know we didn't expect this to happen. So, y'all, I share this to say, Terry really walks the talk. And that's what we're looking for when we're looking for experts is not only do you understand it and can you teach it, but do you live it? And Terry, I want to thank you for your generosity in showing up for me just as I needed to do something unexpected. You really listened and I appreciate that. You're so kind. My, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, so let's get back into the meat of this interview because it's going so great and I'm so appreciative. So if you, we've got these five elements. Am I saying it right? Did I may not have been listening as closely as I needed to. You call them five elements. Elements. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So self-care, which leads into being fully present, which then leads into quantum listening that gives us inspired action. And then there's the feedback loop. And can you help me revisit that concept of feedback loop? Tell me a little bit more about how that piece supports the, the first four elements. Right. So it's, it's really closing the loop of communication. Uh-huh. And I mean, we might not take inspired action every single conversation we have, but usually in high stakes conversations, usually in, you know, the deeper, can, deep, more deeply connected conversations, there's something that can, be, can follow up and be done uh-huh. to that. And so as opposed to maybe you're taking action, but you don't let the person know that triggers mm. some anxiety, some uncertainty, some, you know, like angst perhaps. But if right. you just say, Oh, Hey, you know, I heard what you said about the, you know, about our financial situation. What I'm doing this next week is this, mm. this, and this. Mm-hmm. So then imagine, just imagine the next time those two get together in the context of a, you know, a meaningful conversation the guard will be down just a little bit further. Right. There's more safety uh-huh. to be even more authentic. Then you can get down to the meat of what is in the room that's, you know, maybe challenging both of you. Mm. And so it's, you know, it's a matter of integrity within, you know, within that relationship. You know, I care enough about you that I'm going to let you know that I am taking action. I heard you. You matter to me. I might not do everything just the way you think I should, but I'm doing this one thing. I'm doing this one thing. Yeah. That, that's really powerful to think about because I think a lot of times people can leave these high stakes conversations and do something in response to it, but they don't articulate it. And it may not always be as obvious that it's been done. And so part of that feedback loop is being able to come back and say, I heard you say X, Y, Z. So, I've gone and done ABC in a more less abstract. Let me just, let me be real, right? My wife and I, we're always talking about our finances and we get off, off kilter sometimes and that's okay. And recently we were having a conversation and she was telling me about some frustration with, you know, the balance of money coming out of my business 
to our family versus what I'm spending in the business. And she was making a rightful case that, Ed, you need to put more money into the family and less money into the business. Okay, fine. Hearing that. But then the follow-up of saying, okay, I went through and I looked at the finances. Here are some of the expenses that I've cut down. Here's what you can expect to see in two weeks as far as more money coming into the family and that this will stay going forward, right? That's high stakes for both of us because she's feeling a little bit of resentment and frustration that like she's carrying too much of the financial load. She knows that I have money that I can allocate one way or another. And she's, she, we talked about it previously, even go ahead, allocate it to your business to try to do this. Okay. Too much time has passed. I want you to refocus back over here mm-hmm. and right in our financial lives, things are moving and changing all the time. And so that feedback loop is so essential. I can, and I see where couples break down on this all the time. So I, I love that feedback loop part of this. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and uh, let's say that in your situation, I'm just going to use you because it's yeah. right in the room now. Let's say you went ahead and made those changes, but you didn't share that with your wife. You know, right. you could be like, you could feel attacked if that topic was raised again, because you had, by golly, you had taken action. She didn't know it though. <laughs> you see? Oh, you see? oh, oh yeah. I yeah. see that. And I hear that. And I experience that both in my own relationship when I felt it to signal. And when I see that with other clients is the partner, I can't remember. Anyhow, I can't confidential. I can't say who it is anyways, but I can't remember who it is, but I remember that in the, the last week, one of my clients, this very issue came up, right? Where it's like, they went, they followed up with their partner on something the partner said they were going to do. And the partner bit, bit their head off. And they're like, I'm just trying to see if you actually did. Like, I'm not even coming in and attacking. I'm coming neutral, but it got heard that way. And so, yeah, the partner need, if they would have proactively said, yes, you know, I did do whatever you asked then they wouldn't need to check back in because that, and that's that integrity. I love that word integrity because that's a huge part of being in a trusting relationship. You know, in my context, we're talking a lot about intimate relationships in your context, you're working at the organizational level more more often I would imagine. Uh, But it's the same thing, right? It's trust between people. It's so true, you know, and it plays out between parents and children. (laughs) So, so beautifully. And how about if I give, an example of an adolescent, like a like a teenager. Oh, let's talk about some so, teenagers. Let's go. Let's go there. I'm going to talk about my own son. Yeah, uh, his name's Jacob. Uh, I was a single parent from the time Jacob was ten years old, and we've always communicated in this way. It was not called soulful listening at the time, but it was <laughs> what Grandma Helga showed me, and I thought this works, and I'm using it with my son. So ten years old on. We knew early on it would be up to the two of us to finance whatever was going to happen after high school. Uh And so we would tune in. So at 15 years old, I tuned in, Jacob tuned in, we had a high stakes conversation. And I asked him, Jacob, what do you want for your after high school experience? Then I listened. Uh At six foot five, 300 pounds, he announces, Mom, I'd like to go someplace strong in math and science. And if I could play on a good football team, is there a place that has both? Uh-huh. I heard Jacob beyond his words, beyond his body language, to that deeply insightful part of him that was calling forth 
a really big life that was beyond the cornfields in the backyard. <laughs> so, so I checked around. And so here's the inspired action. I checked around and I asked, you know, is there a place that has both, both of these? Uh-huh. And this Southern school kept popping up. So I took that back to Jacob, the feedback loop. And yeah. Jacob, people are saying this school. He goes, well, we should go. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even know how I was going to pay for a plane ticket, let alone feed a 300-pound giant athlete in a big city. Right. Yet it happened. When you listen soulfully and take action, doors seem to open. So we went to the Southern School, met with coaches, met with students. A couple days later, we're at a park. He looks down at me from his towering perch and says, Mom, I feel like I belong here. That was it. Hmm. Jacob did all the work, athletically and academically. I simply walked alongside him. But Hmm. before the end of his junior year, he was offered a full scholarship to play football for Georgia Tech. Hmm. First boy from Nebraska to be recruited to do that. Possibilities unleashed. Wow. And so that's one story, one single parent, one child with a vision did not do the work for him. He did that, but I walked mm-hmm. alongside him and he knew it. And he's, he's, you know, continued to lead a life of great possibilities and take bold mm. choices and action in his own life. So he went on to <laughs> coach at the collegiate level and then he got a doctorate. So he's a doctor of physical therapy. And now he's just been recruited to be the head coach for elite special forces and we'll be doing that in San Diego. So my, my, my reason in mentioning that and pulling it back to one conversation, if when he was 15, when he announced his bold vision that came out of who knows where, mm-hmm. if I would have said, Oh honey, you know, like you need to go to Nebraska because you know, that's yeah, just I, so far away. And if I would have spoken limitation into right. him at that time. I think he would have eventually gone on to do whatever it is his his heart was telling him to. It just might not have been as streamlined. Uh, it hits so home, and I think that this is a powerful, powerful place that many of my clients are working through is that they've, they've grown up with parents and giving many of the parents well and good intentions, but they had parents that didn't know this type of process and way to trust their child's developing wisdom and to hear them at Mm -hmm. a deep level and to show up for them. And from a psychology perspective, that gets internalized. The parent's anxiety or the parent's confidence and calm get internalized into our mind and brain. And we carry that forward. And it is just, it's, I imagine because you also, that wasn't the first time you heard him deeply. You had been learning to listen to him long before that. And this is something I, I feel compelled to share too in in that, and this is not to be braggadocious for Terry or for I, but to give really practical examples as parents so that we can identify when are we listening well. And I was on a trip last week, gone from Wednesday to Sunday, got home late. Monday was been chaotic. My yesterday was a stressful day at work. My youngest four and a half years old could tell, like I wasn't able to get present. I just wasn't able to get present. And he's like, are you okay? And I, no, I'm not okay. And so that's part of that integrity too, is yeah. like they're listening, they're seeing. And I said, no, and he, you know, in his four-year-old way, he said, can I give you a hug? And he gave me a hug and, you know, he was doing the best he could to try to care for me. And yet I know he can't fully resolve it. So it's trying to honor that. So there's part of that listening piece. 
I also knew I needed to care for myself. And I told him, I, Daddy needs to get sleep. I'll be better in the morning. Oh, beautiful. So sure enough, you know, I woke up and I felt much more refreshed. But we're dropping him off at preschool. He's in this big change. Oldest brother's in middle school now. His brother's a year older, started kindergarten. So now he's the only one at preschool. And I go to drop him off the second day in a row. He's just in tears. Oh. And I look at the teacher and I say, what do you think's going on? What did he tell you yesterday? And she said, he misses you. And it just, you know, even as I say now, it brings tears. <laughs> but it's like, oh, Ed, you really got to slow down. Like, he needs you. And so we sat there in the hallway and he crawled in my lap and he cried and cried and cried some more. And I just held him and said, I hear your teacher told me you miss me. Mm. And so when we hear our kids, whether they're four years old or 15 years old or 22 years old, as parents, it's incumbent upon us to learn to listen. And this five element process that Terry's introduced today is a powerful way to get on that journey of really learning how to tune into your kids. And it is a process, but it, the rewards come with the delight that you heard in Terry's voice about her son, the delight or just even that sense of bondedness with my son. And it, this is probably a whole other episode. We could go into the, all the mental health of it, you and I both, about what happens mental health-wise when we don't feel heard. But you highlight it. It's loneliness and it's anxiety. Anxiety and depression are the two biggest mental health issues we have in society. <laughs> so, Terry, where can people connect with your work, with you? Um, where's all your greatness that they can they can latch on to. <laughs> First of all, Ed, thank you for sharing that incredibly tender, poignant moment with you and your son. I think that models something for all of us to, to really embody ourselves. Yeah, thank you. And so I'm so happy to be with you today and to be with your listeners today. And should they want to uh, reach out to me further, my website is a really good place to start. And that's soulfullistening.com. Okay. So all one word, soulfullistening.com. And on there, I have a link where if you want to set up a time, I'm really moving uh, more into doing speaking at conferences or meetings or events. So if your listeners think that either they may want to <laughs> uh -huh, have me yeah. show up to do that, or if they have somebody that they would say, oh, this lady talked about this <laughs> stuff and right. I, think, I think we should have them <laughs> learn more about it. So again, the, the website, soulfullistening.com. And then I, um, a TEDx talk that I did was released this year. Big celebration. And so that's another, another thing that you can look at is my TEDx talk. If you want to share that with, with people and we're, I'm so excited. We're well over a hundred thousand views already. So high five coming at you on that one. So just sharing, listening and connecting is so needed and it's so easy to do. Yeah. Terry, what a gift. Thank you for your generosity of spirit, your warmth and grandma Helga. Heck yeah. <laughs> grandma Helga. <laughs> you, you did a great job. And y'all, if you didn't pick up where these things are, they'll be in the show notes. So just go check it out. And, and Terry's TEDx talk will knock your socks off. So let's keep pushing that. When you watch her TEDx talk, one of the best things you can do for her is hit share and like. So put it on your social media, share it with others. That will be a huge gift to her. Terry, thank you so much. 
I know I'm going to have you back because there's so much more for us to talk about. But until then, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Ed. Take good care, everybody. I invite you now to stop for five or 10 minutes and reflect on what you just heard. Maybe even journal about it. Give yourself the time to consider what you just heard and what it means to you. By giving yourself the time to reflect and integrate what you just heard, it will help you along your journey of learning, healing, and growing towards financial intimacy in your life. Please like and follow this podcast and share with someone that would benefit from being on the journey of financial intimacy. Wishing you healthy love and money at... Ed.